in the Mahabharat, there is a, a section in one parva, a question and answer dialogue between Yaksh and Yudhisthir. Yudhisthir had gone to a lake to get some water to drink and Yaksh was there who was basically the guardian of the lake. He said, only when you answer my questions, I will let you take water from this lake. So Yudhisthira agreed and Yaksh started asking a whole host of questions. These questions have become very famous and are now known as Yaksh Prashna. So we will look at some of the questions that Yaksh had asked pertaining to life in the next few sessions of this timeless series. One of the questions that Yaksh asked Yudhisthira was Kim nu hitva priyo bhavati Kim nu hitva na shochati Kim nu hitvarthavan bhavati Kim nu hitva sukhi bhavet the other question that we will be looking at is ka panthaha and Yudhishthira replies mahajano yena gataha sa panthaha. So these two questions we will look at in the next few sessions. In today's session we will look at this first question, kim nu hitva, series of four questions. Yudhishthira replies to these questions Basically, what does one give up to become loved? What does one give up to be free of sorrow? What does one become to be free of wealthy? And what does one be do to become happy? So that's the question that Yaksh asked. The answer that Yudhisthira gave, by renouncing what does one become loved, Yudhishthira gave pride. By renouncing what is one free of sorrow, Yudhishthira replied anger. By renouncing what does one become wealthy, Yudhishthira replied desire. By renouncing what does one become happy, Yudhishthira replied greed. So these four things, pride, anger, desire and greed. These four things constitute what we would call in Sanskrit svabhav. I suppose in English we could call it base nature of a person. It's these four things that basically control our life. They determine our desires, what we do, what we don't do, how we do it how we look at people, how we interact with people, and so on. Sometimes people think they are free, but actually these swabhaus, these nat base nature instincts within us, they are controlling our life. Around the world we can see that there's a lot of pollution in many different aspects, air, rivers, oceans, land, and so on. A person once said that our greatest ecological problem is the pollution of the heart. That's where 
real progress needs to happen. We have done a tremendous amount of progress from a material perspective. What about a spiritual pr perspective? When we have these types of natures, like pride, for example, and anger, which is what we will look at today, when you have pride, you want to feel important. You want people to consider you important. So our activities are also based upon that thing that I appear important to a person. A person once said, it's nice to be important, but it's more important to be nice. If we just imagine a world <clears throat> where this list that I will speak now is very predominant in the people, we tend to see this more often. The news that we hear, that we read, we would just hear more and more about these sorts of things. Love, kindness, altruism, generosity, humbleness, and so on. Just think how the world would be different. How happy people would be. <laughs> how they would look at each other, irrespective of countries, boundaries, cultures, languages, belief systems. What happens if there's a world where there's the opposite? You know, there's more pride, more anger, more desire, more greed, more hatred, more violence, and so on. Well, we don't need to imagine that, actually. We already look at that by looking at the news and reading what's going on in the world. And we can see the consequences of these things being predominant in the world. The constitution of UNESCO has this sentence written in it. Since wars begin in the minds of men, it is in the minds of men that the defenses of peace must be constructed. So the answers that Yudhishthira gave to those four questions basically took a person towards inner peace, satisfaction, happiness in life, a healthy life, a healthy body, and so on, healthy mind. He gave four answers, pride, anger, desire, and greed. Today we'll look at two, pride and anger. People like to be proud of themselves, of their achievements. There's no harm in that. It's when you take it too far and you know, you actively behave in a manner where you show people that look at me, look at what I've done. You know? So John Ruskin, an English writer, once said, pride is at the bottom of all great mistakes. History tells us a lot about how proud people have fallen from their achievements. Herb Wiener, gives us a very nice reminder regarding pride. You know, a peacock has got very nice feathers, very colorful, especially when it opens up. It's very nice to look at. So he's using the example of a peacock. He says, remember when a peacock struts his stuff, 
he's showing his backside to half the world. So, you know, person may show, I'm this, I'm that, I did this, but remember, you're also showing some other aspect of your life as well. Pride leads to selfishness, and that causes a whole host of problems as well in life. David Lawrence mentioned this in one of his quotations, pride is a form of selfishness. And his selfishness leads to other things that we see people doing in their daily lives. In 1863, a diary of a Mr. Strickland, people who found the diary, they found this one quotation. They assume it's probably by him. There's no references before that. It said, a man may do an immense deal of good if he does not care who gets the credit for it. You know, our life is all about trying to achieve, which is good, but at the same time, trying to show other people as well. In 2000, the then president, Mr. Bill Clinton, met Pramukh Swami Maharaj in Miami. And then again he met him in 2001 in Gandhinagar Akshadam complex. And there he mentioned in Gandhinagar to the people around him regarding his experience of Pramukh Swami Maharaj in Miami several months earlier. He said, when I looked into his eyes, I found a person who has not come up in life by putting other people down, but by bringing other people up with him. So he saw a quality in Pramukh Swami Maharaj, a quality in which Swami has progressed. We can see the progress of the Sanstar that Pramukh Swami Maharaj has taken to. But he's also brought other people up with him. Not like we see in the outside world where, you know, if you want to move up, you have to put somebody else down, either by talking negative about him or bringing the bad things from his past life into the future, the present day. That's how you make yourself look good. So Swami lived that type of life where he didn't have any pride in his life. And that inspired other people that came into the contact of Swami to learn something about life. Bhagwan Swaminarayan in his Vachnamrut in Loya section 16 says, One who doesn't understand the greatness of God develops pride for himself. It's when you person says, you know, I did this, if it wasn't for me, you know, I did this, I did that. That's when the problems arise. Once a telephone survey of conversations done on the telephone was done in America, and which word was used the most throughout these conversations? Surprisingly, it was the letter I. I did this, I am that, I studied this, I got this and so on. 
Yogi Ji Maharaj used to say about pride. Pramukh Sai Maharaj is Guru. Man Sai Maharaj is Guru. The pride is the superintendent of all of these types of faults. It is the boss. All these other work under pride. The other answer that Yudhishthir gave was anger to the second question. The how can we be free of sorrow? Yudhishthir mentioned that if we don't have anger, we can lead a life without sorrow. Ralph Waldo Emerson, an American essayist, once said, for every minute you are angry, you lose 60 seconds of happiness. Anger is like holding on, holding on to anger is like grasping a hot coal with the intent of throwing it at somebody else, but it's only you who gets burnt. Bhagwan Swamirayan has given an example of anger in his Vachnamrut Lawyer Section 1 that if there is a group of people sitting and a snake passes by through the audience without biting anyone, just goes by, everybody would get up and run helter-skelter. So he mentions that even if a small amount of anger comes, it can spoil the whole atmosphere. Somebody gets angry in the house, for something very minor, and the whole atmosphere in the house gets disturbed. Even if the incident took place on the ground floor, and a person later goes upstairs to the first floor, the atmosphere is still disturbed because of that slight anger. Now, some people unfortunately live in a household where there is continuous anger from different people. Now, obviously there is no real peace or happiness in that type of household. So, anger can lead to very severe consequences if we are not able to control it. This is a story of a person that when he had his lunch in the morning, his wife had made an, an Indian item called kadi, and he liked the taste of it. So he said to her, please keep it for the evening as well, when he comes back from work and he has his dinner. So she said, okay. So he went off to work, and later on she sat down for lunch. She liked the kadi as well. And she liked it so much, she finished it all off without remembering that the husband had said to keep some for him. So in the evening, the husband came back, he's tired, he's had a hard day at job, at his job, he sits down for dinner, and there's no curry. So he asks, where's the curry? And she said, the curry was so nice, and I just couldn't help finishing it off. So the husband became very angry flared up like a volcano. He picked her up, they were living in a block of flats, he picked her up and threw her out the window. Obviously a person falling from a height is going to die. That person currently is serving a lifetime jail sentence, simply because he got anger in that short moment of his time.
I mean, there are many incidents throughout history where anger has led to a huge number of consequences. And, you know, people are talking about these things. We do read books or find books outside on anger management. Even a simple search on Amazon shows the huge number of books that have been published on anger management. In UK, there is actually a society for this. It's called the British Association of Anger Management. And people who can't control their anger, people who want solutions for this thing, they can contact this society. They have their own website. They even have a test on the website. I think probably to find out how angry you can get or whatever and, and so on. So this is something that exists in our world. Through anger, people do things and then regret the consequences afterwards. Exploding in a fit of anger and saying something or doing something is like firing an arrow from a bow. Once the arrow's gone, you can't bring it back. What the arrow is going to do, is going to do. And there's no stopping it. So we have to learn to control our anger. We have to learn to control our pride. If we follow basic principles that we can read about, what our religion teaches us, our spiritual books teach us, what great people, spiritual people teach us, then in some way we can put a check, a control on these things. Pride and anger. And that will ultimately help us to lead a better life, not only for ourselves, but also the people in our house, our family members, also for the people who we work with in our company, and also for the society that we live in. So next week, we will see the other two aspects of this question, uh, desire and greed. <laughs>